There is a word today, and uh, I am happy to present this word. We're in our series, Prepare the Way, Jesus' Early Years. And uh, last month, I got to start off our series. And so we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth. To those of you all who were here for that presentation, you might remember um, my nickname, Zach and Lizzie. Those are my folks. And so we're going to talk a little bit about them today, but we're, not, we're now going to move into talking about um, Zach and Lizzie's son, um, John the Baptist, or I like to call him JTB. <laughs> uh, well, I've already prayed, so I don't want to repeat that, even though I know that there's no harm in pr uh, praying as much as you can. But i like to dive into the Word. And so the Word is going to be found in Matthew 3. We're going to come out of Matthew 3. And you all know how I am. I'm used to black church, so y'all can speak back, y'all can yell at me, y'all can scream, you can raise your hands, it's all good. Uh, the Pentecostal church is cool, the Methodist, whatever, just, just feel good, just feel good. I need that energy, good energy. Come on, that's right, clap your hands. That is good, that's right. Awesome, 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 awesome. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Ramon. I've been with the table for a little while now, a couple years, a couple years, and I also do the well ministries outside of this on Thursday evenings, if you're ever... I'm looking for a Thursday experience, www.encountertheweld.org, and you'll see when and where we're meeting. It's great conversation. Matthew 3 reads like this. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People, people went out from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe, the axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me, oh, after me comes one who is more perfect than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor 
gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Amen? Amen. My question for you, who are you to God? Why out of the trillions of souls did God, why out of the trillions of souls that God created would he create you? God does nothing without purpose. The way he is manifested and strategized and scientifically organized universe and the solar system, a mathematically sound and structured galaxy. God has created the stars to shine at night and they shine in the day, but the sun shines so brightly that it blocks the other stars. That sun illuminates and because of the sun, all of earth can breathe, all of earth gets rays of sunshine, the plants, they illuminate, we illuminate. God has done a miraculous thing by creating a scientifically ordered world. Science and religion go together because God created science. The animals understand out of nurture and nature how to move, and they just become, they learn how to eat and to sleep and to grow and to groom. We as parents learn how to groom our children. They're just part of those things that come naturally to us. God is such an organized God. And even in the midst of God's chaos, God knows how to present order in chaos. God is so amazing. Did you know that the matter of the world always amounts to the same amount of matter. No matter who is born and who dies, no matter what grows and what drops off, it is always the same. And if it were to change just one zero 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 or zero 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 point one of anything, it would be a catastrophe. God has synchronized and organized everything to work in God's way. This, this is why I get happy. This is why when we sing, I can't help but praise. This is why when I preach, I preach with gladness and joy because I understand who God is. At least I try to understand who God is. But I praise God because God has enriched my soul. He has awakened my senses to understand just how great he is, that there's no way I could encompass in my knowledge and my thoughts how wonderful 
Even the midst of my sorrow, God is amazing. Question. In your current physical life, what do you find fulfilling? In your current physical life, what do you find fulfilling? Angela, in, in your current life, what sort of things do you find fulfilling? Helping people and playing with their dog. I love it. I love the pictures on Instagram of you playing with your dog. He's, he's so cute. I, just get, I mean, Angela gets so many more uh, likes than I do sometimes just because of the dog. Her dog gets more likes than anybody else does. It's amazing. Um, yeah, what about you? I, what, what do you find fulfilling in life? Singing for God, singing especially. Do you sing with the praise group? Yes. Okay, you will. Yeah, yeah wherever Jordan is, I hope you heard that, Jordan. We've got a singer. Uh, what about you? What, what do you find, Brian? What do you find that, that fulfills you? Uh, learning to play guitar. The need to play guitar. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guitar, guitar. Becky, what about you? What do you find fulfilling? Just people. Just people in general. You're a people person. All the introverts in the room are like, no, that's not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people, dogs, guitar, singing. Now imagine those things amplified times a trillion in the presence of God. This is what John the Baptist understood. This is what he was ultimately called to preach. Not just about how good the dog treated him or how good the music treated him or how good it was to be in the midst of others, but John was called to preach about the goodness of God. Somebody say the goodness of God. Goodness of God. Who was John the Baptist? JTV. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, reminder, he was the son of Zachariah and Elizabeth, Zach and Lizzie. And Zach and Lizzie were people who God saw uh, to be good, to be righteous. And if you remember the story, Zach and Lizzie were, uh, were so good that um, Zechariah goes to the temple, and when the people sent him into the temple, he had an experience with Gabriel, the angel, who stands in front of him and says, you shall have a child even though you are in years that you don't think you will because they were embarrassed that they could not have a child. They wanted a child. He promises them not only a child, but a child that would lead the way for the Messiah. And because Zechariah understood this and knew the Bible and knew the Old Testament and knew the Word of God, he understood who Zechariah was to be, the promised Elijah to come. And we'll get into that in a second. But Zechariah goes home. He was muted because he didn't believe the angel. He goes home, and some kind of way he lets uh, his wife, uh, Lizzie, know what's going on. And they have a child, and they name him John. And he becomes John the Baptist. He lives... John the Baptist is a, a to, to, to us in this society, he would be considered somewhat weird, right? Somewhat, somewhat a, little, a, little, a little taken back. Somebody we might not think would sit at the front of the class. Somebody we might not look at and go, oh, he's such a cool kid. He's a weird kid. He's sort of a nerd in a way to, to them. He, he, he wanders off to the desert. He feeds off a of locust and honey. He's dressed in camel hair. People are kind of like, this John the Baptist, I don't know, promised by God, but maybe not. I don't know. I have doubts, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> this is who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is a fulfilling of prophecy. 
The Old Testament, the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, Malachi 4 says this, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day that the Lord comes. And this is what I love about the Bible because the Bible is full of confirmations. If you ever really get into it, the Old Testament is full of the prophecies about the Messiah. It's the Messiah will come. One day the Messiah will save us. One day the great Messiah will ascend from heaven into earth. One day the Messiah will be with us on earth. And in, uh, and also there, there will be people that will be, you, you will hear the prophetic voice that Jesus is coming, that the Messiah is coming. And in the New Testament, we pick up on that story. It's years after the Old Testament has ended. And now in the New Testament, we see the fulfilling of those prophecies. It's confirmation. The Bible is confirmation in our own lives. In our own lives, that's how God works. Somebody said to me, if somebody ever prophesies over you, it shouldn't be new news. It should be news that has already resonated in your soul, that when they speak, it is only confirmation of what God has already said to you. God doesn't need people to say to you things, right? God can talk to you all by God's self, whether it be in signs, whether it be wonders, whether it be miracles. God can speak to your soul. Whenever somebody has prophesied to you or whatever you see confirmation is just that confirmation. That's how the Bible operates. That's how God operates. John is not only the answer to prophecy, but he is also a prophetic voice. He's come to announce the coming of Jesus. He says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Make straight paths for him. Historically, there's a context to what uh, John JTB is saying here. Historically, the roads back in the day were a lot like DC roads. Oh, yes, I understand there's some people who drive in D.C. from those sounds. That's right, because there were potholes, and they were full of, of rubbish, and they were made wrong. They were, the, the, the roads were hard to walk over. The, whole, the roads were hard for the horses and chariots to move over. The roads were not taken care of. And so whenever a king was about to leave, those were the only times that the roads were made right. It's the only times that the roads were fixed. And so a king might let his people know that he was leaving early, early weeks or early by months to let his people know, I'm going to be travel. And when he was on travel, before he left, folks started to move the debris out of the road and they started to make straight the road. And so John the Baptist says, make straight the path for him. He understood that the king was coming, the Messiah was coming. So you ought to clear yourselves. You ought to relieve yourselves of any debris and dirt and any unworthiness that was in your life. Begin to work on yourself. Begin to prune yourself of all unrighteousness because a king is coming. The land had been without a prophetic voice for so long. There was a yearning. There was a great joy when John the Baptist started to speak. The world had yearned for that prophetic voice of Elijah, for the prophetic voice of Isaiah. When is the Messiah coming? I imagine they did their routines every week. They went to church, and they were going into the temple, and they were lifting up their incense. When will God speak? They were yearning for that was an absence in their souls. And so the people came from all over when they heard that John the Baptist had renewed a sense of the prophetic voice. There was an emphatic message from John's prophetic voice. As he preached that the Messiah was coming. The Messiah is on his way. The Lord that you have heard so much about is going to return. 
Right? He preached that it's time to get right. That it is time to remove all those things out of your life that might not be worthy of the Lord's dwelling, of the Lord's surrounding, of the Lord's energy. He preached, repent and be baptized. Repent from all of your evil ways. Turn around and never go back to them and be baptized. John is bold in his message. Somebody say bold. I wonder how many of us dare to be bold in our message of Jesus. Standing firm on God's word, true to our calling, true to God, even when we don't understand our purpose. You know what trips me up, y'all? It trips me up when we blame God for not having purpose. God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. God, I don't know. God, why haven't you? God, you just don't love me the way that you love other people. Why is it that he gets to sing? Why is it that she gets to preach? Why is it that they get the raise? Why is it that they are moving up? God, you don't love me. You don't feel that I have purpose. But I've learned that true purpose comes from being in alignment with the creator. Some of us can't hear God because God is only exercised on Sundays in your life. Some of us can't hear God because God is only, the only time that you pray is right after service when someone has moved you to pray. Some of us can't hear God because the only time you're singing songs of worship is when you're listening to church on a Sunday morning. Where is your relationship with God? God can't feed you if you're not showing up to dinner. Where is your praise? Where is your worship? It tickles me how on Sunday mornings, how it tickles me on, on, when the Super Bowl comes on. Any sports fans in the room? It tickles me how when we're watching sports, we will drink and we will get loud and we will yell, Woo! Cowboys did it again. Cowboys in my team. I'm on the pulpit this morning. I'm, I'm in the <laughs> um, Cowboys are the team, and yes, are the, uh, how many people? Uh, how many people? Um, any any race car fans in here? Any race car fans? Any golf fans? Any any tennis fans in here? Any tennis fans? Yeah, we got some tennis fans in the room. I'm working somewhere. Somebody somebody has some kind of joy, right? <laughs> Anybody love their dogs? <laughs> their animals, yeah? Right. It amazes me how we get so happy and joyous, but it's so funny. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, I know we don't have that at the table church, but sometimes on Sunday mornings, it's like, can y'all praise? And people are like, mm-hmm. I can't wait till they finish singing. <laughs> God is looking for people that are willing to praise him and worship him to, because, and we don't praise because someone moves us to praise. We praise because we recognize how good God has been. It's something that is steeped into my soul. It's steeped into my system because I realize that without God, I would not be anything. And because of that, because I am something, I praise God. You can't wait for the good times to praise God. You've got to praise God even in the bad. Muscle isn't built from increments, incremented gym trials. Consistency must prevail. Old habits must die in order for muscle to be built. This is the message of John. He says, repent of your evil ways. Turn to God and become steadfast. Steadfast. Somebody say steadfast. 
John the Baptist says, become steadfast in your commitment to God. In the midst of John preaching, he takes note that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are in attendance. Becky, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I'm looking at Becky, Becky's not even here. <laughs> Becky, I mean, the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees have come to see what's trending. Hashtag John the Baptist. Hashtag JTB. Hashtag camel hair and leather. The Pharisees and the Sadducees have come to see what's hot for the moment. What's going on? What's the popularity? What's, what's big? How can I get in on this? Because this looks so dope that if I get in, maybe the king that he's pronouncing will put me up with him. I can see it already. I've been serving this old Pharisee that's been doing me wrong. But man, when Jesus comes, I'm going to put on my best garments. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show out. I'm going to praise because that's what they're all doing. And wait till Jesus get a load of me. He recognizes and he calls all those who are merely there to follow the trends. He calls them out as offsprings of snakes. He says, you brood of vipers, you offspring of snakes. One writer says this. Is there a picture that has, is the, what's the next slide? There's, one writer says this. He says, John knew the desert. The desert had places thin, short dried up grass and stunted thorn bushes, brittle for want of moisture. Sometimes a desert fire would break out, and when that happened, the fire swept like a river of flame across the grass and the bushes, for they were as dry as tender. And in front of the fire, there would some scurrying and hurrying, the snakes and the scorpions, and the living creatures who found their shelter in the grass and in the bushes, they were driven from their lairs by this river of flame, and they ran for their lives before it. It's in these terms, in these same picture that John is thinking. If the Pharisees and Sadducees are really coming for baptism, they are like the animals scurrying for life before a desert fire or in front of the sickle of the harvester. Literally, they heard that Jesus was coming, a king was coming, and they were either running for their lives because they realized they were in wrong, or they were running to see how they might become a person to King Jesus' kingdom. It was all about me. Now, historically, up to this point, the Jews weren't even being baptized. It was the Gentiles that were being baptized. And why weren't the Jews being baptized? They believed that favor lied upon Abraham. You recall in the scripture, he says, and do you not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father? The Jews thought that because Abraham, they were descendants of Abraham, that they were in the right. Because Abraham was our father, we have a privilege that sets on us. Abraham was my father, and therefore I don't need to be baptized. I'm right. I am righteous in God's eyes. He says, I promise an inheritance to all people who were descendants of Abraham, and that was God's word. So how can I not be right? 
I am righteous. There's no need for me to repent. There's no need for me to ask for forgiveness. There's no need for me to ask someone to do something different for me. I am righteous. I earned this. I'm a descendant of my grand-grand-grand-grand-grand-grandfather Abraham. Because Abraham lived, I'm good. It's sweet. But salvation does not work like privilege. Your salvation does not come from your grandmother, your privilege, your money, your status, how great your clothes are, how big of a house you built, how much you look like you really are praising, how much you jump up and down on Sundays, how loud you get, how great you talk, how eloquently you speak. Salvation does not come from any of those things. Salvation comes from the changing of one's heart. A connectivity with Christ. This is what John the Baptist preached, that it's all about a relationship. From that relationship, we are driven into the direction of our true but it's only in an alignment with Christ. It's only when God has pierced your heart that you can find a true connectivity with Christ. Question, how do you know you're connected to Christ? How do you know that you're connected to Christ? And the answer you begin to see results of the connection. John reminds the Jews that your connection to your past will only get you by temporarily. It might get you to the door, but it won't sustain you. Now, you say, Ramon, how do you understand this? Well, I'm glad you asked. In my former day, back when I used to be a fruit picker, <laughs> I know you guys never saw that, but I was. That's me right there. <laughs> Again, I'm in the pulpit, so you go with me. That's right. And I was a fruit picker, and I used to pick the fruits out of the yard. And when I picked the fruits, what I learned about being a fruit picker was that when there were bad fruits, I tossed them away. There was a pile for the good fruits, and I kept what was good. And then there was a pile for the bad fruits. And whatever was bad got thrown away. We didn't want it anymore because you couldn't do anything with it. It was rotten. Perhaps there was a worm in it. Perhaps the flies had gotten to it. It was not good for you. And so you tossed them away. John the Baptist says this, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. How do you know you're connected with Jesus? You have to produce fruit. A heart that is connected to Jesus, it automatically produces fruit because you begin to move in alignment with God's will and whatever God's will is, is you move, God's will is done. And whenever God's will is done, there is fruit. Somebody say fruits. Yeah, I feel like Oprah, you get fruit, and you get fruit, and you get fruit. Jesus says it this way, Matthew 7, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, 
Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you will recognize them. Anybody in here a good networker? Yeah? Any, any people, good networkers? You don't have to say anything. I just want to know. Raise your hand. Nobody networks good in this room? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, yeah. Let's clap it up for the networkers. There's a couple of folks that are not good. Y'all ain't no good. Y'all don't network for your job. Nobody's a good. This is, listen, this is a little weird. <laughs> networking, networking is so, so important. And networking with the right people will get you the job interview, right? Because I talk to Ashley, Ashley knows a couple of folks. Because I talk to John, John knows a couple of folks. Because I talk to Dion, Dion knows a couple of folks. And so they put me in touch with the right people. And as I get to know the right people, I get the interview for the job because Dion has talked his game, his magic. He's gone in. He says, listen, I know this guy. I know this gal. You got to meet her. I know we're doing some great work. And I'm telling you, you got to see the resume. As a matter of fact, John is so good at talking his games that your resume gets, yeah, the boss is like, I don't even need to see the resume. What you say is true. We need to hire them right away. Bring them in. Schedule an appointment. Matter of fact, you don't even get a call from the office. Your best friend tells you, John says, look, I got your interview. Make your way tomorrow. You're like, oh my God, John is so great at this. And you get to the interview. You interview so well that you get the job because you've spoken so eloquently and so clearly. And you, you've stated how great you are. Your resume, you've actually got a chance to put it and it speaks for itself, and then you get the job. But once you've got the job, you're no longer judged on who you used to be. You're no longer judged on what you said you were. As a matter of fact, the words of your friend John only last but so long. Because once you begin to work, the work is what now speaks for you. And if you don't do the job well, the result is that you're terminated. The results of producing bad fruit are no fruit at all is being terminated and thrown into the fire. This is what John the Baptist is preaching, that if you are not doing what God has asked you to do, that if you are not worshiping God, that if you are not praising God, that if God has not moved your heart so much that you are working for God and God only, you will be terminated and thrown into the fire. John alludes to this termination as he later talks about the results of not repenting and turning to a relationship with God. He repeats himself over and over that there's a fire. Bad fruit gets thrown into the fire. And this is where I stick a fork in it because I want to make sure we understand what repentance really is. Repentance is not, I messed up. God, please forgive me. I messed up again in the same way. God, I know you have grace. Please forgive me. Maybe just a little mess up. Same way. Less. God, I know you got me. Okay, God, okay, all right, God, forgive me. 
Repentance. Repentance says, God, you have moved my heart so much. You have spoke clearly to me, so clearly to me, that the things of my past I never want to do again. And so when I go to God to repent, I repent never to go back. True repentance says I, I die to myself. I die to the things of the world. And I promise you, God, that I'm not dedicated to you. Be careful. Bad fruit gets you thrown into the fire. And so Jesus, and so John the Baptist talks, he iterates that the Messiah is coming. He says, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Anybody who understands something about the threshing floor and wheat is that the threshing floor is a flat surface and the wheat was something you got from the fields, you brought it in, you threw the wheat on the floor, and you stomped on it until all the grains fell off. And when the grains fell off, there's a pruning. There's a pruning, right? And he's saying that Jesus is putting our souls and our lives on the threshing floor, and he is stomping all the bad things out. And once you picked up the wheat, that you had, once you picked up the grains that you had stomped off, you were then to throw them in the air. And whatever was bad, the wind would take away. Whatever was good would remain. And whatever was bad, you would then take to the fire and you would burn. And John the Baptist is saying to the people of God, listen, repent. Let all the bad things fall off. Let the good remain. Because that which does not please the Lord is going to burn in the fire. But what really resonated with me in this text, and what I wanted to amplify, is John's double use of the word fire. John talks about this fire. He talks about how what's bad, what bad fruit, bad grain is thrown into the fire, but then he turns around and he says, and uses a whole other image of the fire. He says, Jesus says, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John, you just told me fire was bad. I don't know if I want Jesus baptizing me with the same fire you've been talking about. But, but the fire that John talks about, it's the fire of the Holy Spirit. One, the fire is an illumination. Anybody ever seen fire at night and notice how pretty it is? Anybody ever sat around a campfire and seen how great the fire is? And the fire that is so amazing, so splendidly, beautifully decorating the sky and the air, Anybody ever felt what that fire does? What does that fire do? It warms you, right? There's a warmness. And, and in that fire, if you put gold in fire, what happens? It gets purified. 
And so what John talks about when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he talks about the illumination of God, the warmness of God, and the purification of God. We've now from being, gone from being consumed in the fire to being consumed, being consumed in the fire to being consumed by the fire. The first is a consumption in, a drowning, a perishing. The second is a thrusting, a resource of power, an acceleration towards life. And this is the Holy Spirit that John is talking about. Finally, finally, Jesus, Jesus appears. John recognizes him. Just a side note. John recognizes Jesus immediately. Here's the thing. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you will always recognize Jesus. You don't have to ask somebody, is this Jesus speaking? Do you think this is Jesus talking? John has such a relationship with Jesus that he knows when Jesus appears, this is the Messiah. And when the Messiah walks up to John, he walks up to John and John says, I am not worthy to be in your midst. He's humble. When Jesus comes into your presence, there's a humbling, a humility, and he almost falls and he gets reverence. I'm not worthy to carry the sandals on your feet. You are Jesus. I'm not even, I can't even touch. You are Jesus. He says, I don't know if I'm supposed to baptize you. You and your greatness should baptize me. And Jesus says, no, for now, this is how it must be that I will fulfill there it is again, the, the prophecies that I will confirm the stories that have been told. And he is baptized. And in Luke, it reads just a little differently. Once he comes out of the water, he begins to pray. And as he prays, it says the heavens opened up and something like a dove, the spirit of a dove fell on him. And the voice said, this is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And again, a prophecy is fulfilled. In the end, Psalms 2. Psalms 2 says this, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations, you for inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them with pieces like a, a potter's vessel. You are my son. Second, Isaiah 42. Behold, my servant who I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not carry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the cost and shall wait for his law. My elect in whom my soul delights. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Again, a confirmation of the prophecy. I will end here. When I sing songs for the praise team, when I come up here and I'm singing, and I know folks sometimes look, he is way over animated. <laughs> when I preach, and I'm preaching because I love to be theatrical, and I love to use my theater voice, and I love to express so that the audience understands, and sometimes I'm a little excited. It's because I have a passion, a passion that burns in me. It's an illumination that burns in me that wants to, you to understand the illumination of God. Jesus has walked with me so much in my life. I have seen him do hard times. I have seen him in death. As a musician, I have played for so many funerals. And the worst one was when I had to play for the funeral 
of a toddler, a three-year-old. And I remember the casket. It was, it was a pretty pink casket. It, it was set in a corner like a box. It was like a toy. I remember they didn't close the casket by the time that it walked in, and there was this precious little girl right in her hair, a pretty plink dress. And I go, God, this, this breaks my heart. I've never done this. Can I make it through this? I, I don't know. I, I, I question, God, why do you allow the life of such a, a baby? But in my questioning, there is never a doubt that God is God. There is a faith and a trust. God, if it is your will, let it be so. That was what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. I know I have to die. All of us know that we have to die. But Jesus says, it's not my will. I've got enough power that I can get up. That I can say, I don't want to do this. The church has become this, this place like the millennial generation that we have, but I want it my way. I want the job now. I want things to go my way. We're bragging little brats sometimes. Yeah. God, let it know. Like, why, why are they getting raised? I've been here 10 years. I've been five years. I've been here one year. But my work definitely outweighs most of them old heads even working here 10. She can't even walk right. It takes her 10 minutes to get to the break room. I've always been when he calls. Where's mine? When is my time? Give me my time to shine. And Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. When I get in the presence of God, I understand it is not on my time because I don't own it. It is not of my will because it is God's will. It is not when I speak, it is when God speaks. John the Baptist is simply saying, align yourselves with God. And so preparation for 2020 says this. Set intentional time to build my bond with God. Set intentional time. And that doesn't mean once a week. God wakes you up every day. God watches over you every night. God breathes breath into your lungs every millisecond. You cannot give God just one to two hours of praise per week. You cannot give God just two days of a week. You want to wake up and say, God, I am so grateful you woke me up this morning. You want to eat your dinner, and God, I am so grateful that I have food because there are tons of people, even in the city that I live, that don't have food. And because there are people that don't have food, even though I have a dollar to my name, I will use that dollar for your people because I trust you. Intentional time. Two, Repent of, myself, uh, repent of myself and submit to God's loving authority. God, I am willing to submit to you. And I know, I know that is not a politically correct word and term in this day. Submit. But if we cannot submit to God, then that means we are left to submit to ourselves. And how many things do you get wrong in your life? Do you really want to submit to your own will? God says, Submit. Because then I can lead you. 
Again, some of us don't know our purpose because we're not willing to submit to God. We're so busy. I'm going to find my purpose and then I'm going to submit. I'm going to find my, and then I'll find a church. I'm going to submit. I will find, I will do what I got to do and then one day I'll get back to God. I will do what I got to do. I don't have time to pray. I can't pray all the time. I don't pray like them. So when we compare ourselves to other people, it's not about you. It's about your relationship. It's about the relationship of God with you. It's about God. It's about God. John the Baptist understood. He continuously said, John the Baptist had so many people coming to him in droves by the thousands. He continuously said, there's a person that I am making the way for. Repent and submit yourselves to God's loving authority. Receive and move in alignment with the Holy Spirit towards my purpose. After I submit to you, God, I... I beg of you, if you have, listen, if you have not been baptized, then I think you should make your way to find out when you can, because that, it is, it, it, it's, not, it's not the only the, the important thing, but it's a, it is a symbol. It is a symbol that says, I recognize who the God of my life is, and I'm willing, I'm willing to be aligned with him. I want people to look at me and see God. Not that I am God, I want them to see God in me. I want them, when I walk into the office, that the power of Jesus was so amazing because, it, listen, Jesus oftentimes, he said, you are forgiven because of your faith. Notice that. Almost every single time that Jesus healed, the, the woman with the issue of blood who crawled and made her way to Jesus, she touched Jesus' garment. He said, "My there's power. There's power. There's power. It went, there's power. Angela, there's power that went from me. Did you feel it? I felt it. Nobody felt that. There's power. Where is this woman? I felt it. I felt it. I, something happened. He calls the woman. The woman comes to him. He says, by your faith. He does not say, by my miraculous power. He says, by your faith. When he was passing by the guy in the tree, the guy in the tree, he, 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 Jesus says, come down, you're healed. The blind man who was healed, he says, your faith. I need somebody to catch that. Your faith has made you whole. Some of you have been looking for Jesus. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you to do. I need you to do. He says, your faith. Do you have enough faith in me? Your faith has made you whole. And last, praise emphatically. It's not enough to praise when your favorite football team scores a touchdown. It's not enough to praise when you've got a birthday party. It's not enough to have a great praise in your mouth when things are going great. Listen, God says, praise me at all times. Your praise, your worship is how you communicate with God. My prayer, praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now's a good time. Now's a good time. It, that, listen, it, you might be the person, you know, I'm quiet. I'm not saying you have to make a lot of noise all the time. I'm saying there's a praise and a worship. Praise and worship does not have to look just one way. But praise and worship is about, in the presence of God, I am so in love with God that I am willing to be uncomfortable for God. I'm willing to move out of my own self and worship God in ways that make me align with him. This is the word of John the Baptist. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is here. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Somebody say amen. 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 Let's pray. Gracious God. Gracious God, we're grateful. Gracious God, I am grateful that you have, you have, 
you have put the words of John the Baptist in our hearts. God, this is the text. Repent and be baptized. God, I pray that today someone is moved so much by the word, by your words, not mine, by your words. Someone is moved so much by the Holy Spirit that on today they are making a decision. They are making a decision that they are willing to recommit themselves to you. That they are willing to commit themselves totally to you, God. God, that on today someone has made a decision that they are willing to give you more of an opportunity to come into their lives is an illuminator, is a purifier, is a warmer, God. God, I pray that today someone is open to worship and praise in a way that they've never done it. That as they do it, God, the heavens will open above them too. And you can say, this is my child with whom I am well pleased. God, we yearn for that. We yearn for that. God, let that be all that we yearn for. God, today, somebody is aware that if they align themselves with you, all that they have been wishing for, all that they have desired, lies in the commitment to you. If it's a job, God, then I ask that you bless them with it. If it's a family, I ask that you bless them with it. God, whatever people have been waiting for, I ask that they first seek you, that today they have heard that if they seek you, says, knock and the door will be open. Ask and you shall receive. God, I ask that you help them to ask for you. Knock at the door for you. God, that they will repent of their sins. They will be baptized by your Holy Spirit. And that those who have already received the Holy Spirit, it is doing nothing but growing in them. God, I pray for your people. I pray for your voice to be heard. Pray for your love to be felt. And in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, let us say amen.